You're listening to Deus et Machina, a podcast that brings people together for short conversations about religion and technology. Our first season has to do with artificial intelligence. I am your host, Matthew Vaughn. My co-host for each episode will be Norm Jackness, a professor of technology management at Columbia University. This is the third and final episode in which Norm and I discuss transhumanism with authors Tracy Trothan and Calvin Mercer. Calvin teaches at East Carolina University and Tracy teaches at Queen's University in Ontario. They are authors of a fascinating new book called Religion and the Technological Future. In this episode, the group discusses some of the most pressing religious implications of transhumanism. Should we rethink the nature of immortality in light of technological advances? And what can fiction teach us about all of this? So I like the idea of immortality. I think it's an interesting concept. And I watch my fair share of Black Mirror and all manner of sci-fi. And the idea that my personality could be uploaded to some kind of a computer system, perhaps one that is learned by a AI tool, such as Replica or any of these other platforms we're discussing here, it strikes me as at least one version of what immortality might look like. In fact, y'all actually talked a little bit about immortality in your book. And it was one of the things I was hoping you would speak to is is when you use that word, maybe I'm just, my example isn't a, a good one, but you are you suggesting that AI or that technology can achieve something similar to what religious traditions promise? Is there a there there between the way we're interacting with computers and the way we're act, interacting with mortality? Not longevity and not quality of life. I mean, literally, we won't ever go away in some meaningful way. Well, I don't think that religions are off, can offer this, the same thing or that technology is offering what re religions offer. I mean, it's two different worlds in a sense. I mean, but I think religion, if it's nimble, can be re-envisioned to include technological uh, enhancements. So people who live 80 to 100 years old and then die in the, in the religions that, not the karmic religions, but the religions that, See us as living one life and then the afterlife, that's one kind of afterlife. But if we begin to live, if we have super longevity begins to unfold to some degree, then that's going to diminish the afterlife and put more emphasis on this life. And if technology provides significant enhancements in this life, then religions could re-envision resurrection as transformation and, and then be relevant to that conversation. But I think it would have to re-envision itself from its traditional notions of afterlife. I think that uh, before you start uh, thinking about the possibility of uploading yourself to a computer, <laughs> I, I, I think the, the more... dangerous prospect, if ever there were one. The more likely scenario actually comes from the biologist, not from the computer technologist. And, and that is the ability to do various things to slow the aging process so that mm -hmm. it eventually is overcome. I mean, in fact, there's one, there's one biologist who basically says, that all, all he has to do to succeed is advance human longevity by more than a year for each year. 
Think about it. So it's in the race <laughs> against the angel of death, right? You're always one step ahead. Yeah. And the karmic religions, for example, would have to be rebirth. Death is not as big a deal in the karmic religions because the next life is right around the corner. But if you're, if you are moving to super longevity, then rebirth, the notion of reincarnation fades a bit to the background and karma uh, becomes important, not so much in determining the next life, but in, term, in, in terms of how it impacts the later years of this so the religions are going to have to sort of adjust and take their concepts and re-envision those concepts in light of some of the technological changes that might become. Of course, there's about to be some AI um, expert who's going to figure out how to let you at the age of 100 create a whole new self. Right? <laughs> so you, 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 get to, you, get to, you get to come back again. Uh, in your next century years, but different. <laughs> That's true enough. But this is one of the big reasons why I think there are, are some detractors, people out there who are saying, no, I don't want to live forever. Because I believe in there being a, a, another life after this life that's much better, that is full of divinity and somewhere I want to be. And I don't need to be in this life indefinitely. So this is a point of contention here is it possible to embrace like a practical immortality where we know that we might live um, for much much longer perhaps not indefinitely but maybe indefinitely and that's okay that there's still um, work to be done towards working through the realization of an eschatological uh, messianic banquet here on earth but for many the end times are beyond life in this body and it's those end times um, that we'll see a greater realization of uh, justice and the last shall be first and we shall all gather together and there will be no more pain. Uh, there's no guarantee that with all these enhancements that we're not going to have struggle and pain still. And for some people, this is not what they want indefinitely. So it raises a whole bunch of questions around how it, what it is that we envision to be coming in the future? Do we have a heaven to look forward to? Do we have a purgatory? Do we have a reincarnation? And do we want that more traditional route? Or are we prepared to meet the possibility of practical immortality? And as Calvin is saying, um, change and work with some of our faith convictions. Or going back to the example that Matthew gave, is there some religion that says, yes, we believe in this transformation to a different kind of life. It's just in the computer and not in the, in the biological body. Well, that's very much actually where I was thinking it would go, is that we do have these alternate realities in which we exist already. And it's, to me, not inconceivable that one might see the promise of immortality fulfilled in such an alternative reality that is not, not necessarily a super big leap. Perhaps it is, and I'm just maybe not seeing the chasm underneath uh, the, the two steps that, that people would jump to. Elvin, you tried out Second Life, for example. Yes, I, I did to just to, to get a sense of that, but I'm certainly no expert in, in that that kind of alternate reality experience. <laughs> well, but go, so, get, get ready. There's a lot of money being spent on what is now called the metaverse. Yeah. 
So I have a question that I would like to pose to all three of you and to anyone else that has a, a thought on the matter. I think we all watch uh, a lot of TV these days, uh, particularly since the pandemic. We've watched more TV than we wanted to. Movies, books, other podcasts, things like that. I'll be interested to know what works of fiction might you recommend to our listeners that are in some ways indicative or representative of the issues that you see at play? Are there particular episodes of a show? Are there particular characters or storylines, plots, et cetera, that you feel like adequately are sort of uh, teasing at the issues we need to be thinking about? Well, the, it's been a while since I've watched it, but there's a movie, ATR, yeah. <laughs> that, that touches on, I think, brings to life some some of the issues that... I was thinking that when Tracy was talking about um, loneliness. Yeah. That was, right, yeah, yeah. 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 Tracy, is that a movie you would say yes to as well? Or are there other pieces of fiction? And Norm, I'm going to kick the same question to you in a sec. Oh, absolutely. Her raises a whole lot of issues around relationships and robots and who we are, our identity, mutuality or not, meaning of, of life and, and faith. And there's been some wonderful theological articles written on, on her, including one by our colleague, Randy Reed, that I would strongly recommend. I actually use her in some of my courses, just to give people a flavor of this. And, and the movie itself is, like, I'd say, a little ambiguous about what it thinks of this situation. The company behind it, and there's a company that helped, is not ambiguous at all. Take, I think they're called Human OS. I didn't realize we can talk about this. I, I forgot, but I think it's called Human OS. And they are all gung-ho about this. And it might be interesting. In terms of things that I'm not sure there's 100% overlap with the topics we've been talking about, but one of the more interesting thought-provoking books, books that, that um, I've come across is something called 2041, came out last year, and it was a projection of the development of AI in 20, 20 years mm -hmm. into the future, and by a combination of a leading AI um, expert and a leading science fiction writer. And they alternate between the sort of science fiction story and the evaluation of that story by the expert. And it does deal with, I mean, particularly later in the book, deals with a number of these kinds of issues we've been talking about, although the early parts of it don't. Your readers might want to pick that up. It's a little different than what they're used to reading. I was just thinking of another series too, uh, the Amazon series Upload. <laughs> tell us, I don't know anything about that show. Could you tell us a little bit about it? It gives you someone's conception of what it means to be an uploaded mind and the limitations, but also um, the possibilities of not having uh, a real body. So I think it raises a lot of questions there, and it's, it's just entertaining. I guess what I'm trying to get at, though, is would you consider, this is a question for Calvin and Tracy, this issue that I sort of broached on almost on a whim, wasn't planning on discussing it in this convo, but this issue of uploaded personalities, for example, or personalities that are learned via machine learning technologies, would you consider that transhumanism? And if not, why not? If so, why? Well, it's, it's transhumanism, in, in a, I guess, in a, in a kind of broadly understood because there are people who identify as transhumanists who are, you know, are talking about these kinds of things and advocating them. But you and, don't see it in that way? You're welcome to take an opinion on it. Yes, I, I interpret, I mean, I, I think it's helpful uh, to, to look at the, technological future in a, in a broad sense. And I, I would certainly include that kind of question in, in it as well. Yeah. Calvin's being modest too. He's written a number of really fine essays on the topic of mind uploading and religion, really arguing that it's possible that mind uploading could fit with religious convictions. And with the understanding that that, you know, may have, 
that technology may or may not develop. There are people working on it, but it's it's cer- certainly not certainty. But as a thought experiment, it pushes, I think, religion scholars to think about things that they might not otherwise think about, such as in embodiment. We've not talked about that as a theme in, in, in this hour, but that's a really important issue for religion scholars and others it is the role of physicality, role of embodiment in some of the scenarios that are being talked about and our connection and relationship to our bodies, how, how, what is our body with regard to who we are in terms of how we relate to it and how it is a part of our identity and the various technologies, technological developments that might compromise our, our embodiment. Are we talking about the sort of uh, a new interpretation of the meaning of the word soul? I think perhaps, yes. Perhaps not. I, I don't know. It depends, I well, suppose, soul, on the ones. Well, yeah. among some, soul can have a very different uh, meanings depending upon the religion or the particular Christian liberal conservative. One way of conceptualizing the human being in, in Christianity is psychosomatic unity of body and soul, though it's not like we have a soul, but we are soul. And so it moves away from that dualism that some Christians might adhere to. And uh, so that is a concern that uh, help, uh, relates to the concern about embodiment, that, that our body is some, in some sense who we are. It's a part of who we are. And so this um, notion of uploading the mind or whatever is flawed in terms of who we are as embodied. Now, there's responses to that, of course, that there's just different ways to be embodied. I mean, that, that's another kind of way of responding to that. I have one final question. What have we not talked about in this conversation? Obviously, there are many things. What have we not talked about in this conversation related to specifically issues of transhumanism? that are important topics of, of conversation that might be considered at another time. What have we not talked about that we should have? Well, very briefly at the end, but I, I think the, the whole question of embodiment needs more attention and more unpacking than, than, than we did in just my comments two or three minutes. I think that's a central issue. And because the enhancements, particularly physical enhancements, will the augmentations that are happening, uh, that are being researched and experimented with all have to impact the body in significant, or can impact the body in significant ways. And so that raise, raises the, the, the question about who we are as body and at what point do, is our enhanced body or our augmented body, at what point raising questions about who we are as a person or from a religious perspective as being created in the image of God. So I think that's, that's a very important topic that can be looked at in a lot of different ways. And I would just build on what Calvin said there about the importance of the issue of identity and extend that to social justice. We touched a bit on social justice issues, but there's a lot more there. And technology has the capacity, we're already seeing this, to amplify differences in, in privilege, enhance the privilege of a few at the expense of, of many. And so we need to ask questions about, you know, technology like facial recognition technology and why it only works on one particular group of people, of white people, and what else we're missing here in terms of being a radically inclusive and taking a radically inclusive approach, which the religions, by and large, advocate very much. 
Thank you for listening. This podcast is a product of the Mid-Atlantic and New England Maritimes regions of the American Academy of Religion. Matthew Vaughn is executive producer. Norm Jackness and Ronald Bernier are producers. All recording, editing, and post-production work was done by David Dalt of Sandberg Media. We would like to extend a special thank you to our guests for their time and their expertise. All opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the voices offering them and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of others affiliated with this podcast or the American Academy of Religion. If you would like to learn more about the American Academy of Religion, please visit aarweb.org.